Hey everybody, James Shepard here with a great episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast. Today, we're talking about crypto acceptance, crypto acceptance. Now, this topic's become a little bit less popular lately because of this downtime where crypto, you know, we had this crypto winter that we seem to have entered into. And we talk about that, but we also talk about what do we do during this time to make sure we're ready for the reemergence of crypto. Um, and we talk about the trends in crypto acceptance and where we're going with that. And so uh, a lot of really, really interesting topics. If you want to understand cryptocurrency as well as crypto acceptance and how it's going to become practical for ISOs and agents, this is a great episode for you. I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by NMI. What a fantastic sponsor that we have, honestly. You know, one of the premier companies in our industry, processor agnostic. They're working with the ISO world. They're working with the ISV software world. Um, they're working in all these different worlds of payments and bringing these worlds together through fantastic technology, both gateways, virtual terminals, um, you know, even physical location terminals, full omni-channel solutions, and all the really cool things you're doing with the card brands and with um, tap to pay and just a million things you really need to be familiar with them. Go to nmi.com. After the interview, I'm going to talk to you about my views on alternate forms of payment and the trends that we're seeing in the market. This is going to include Venmo, Zelle, um, ACH, and FedNow, um, and some of these other trends as well as crypto. And so I'm going to talk about all of that after the interview. But let's dive into our interview today with Abdullah from uh, Pay Concept. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey everybody, Patty and I are here today with Abdul, who is the CEO at a company called Pay Concept. We're going to be talking about crypto acceptance. How are you doing today, Abdul? I am blessed. And how are you guys doing? Doing fantastic. Equally blessed, my friend. Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously this is a really hot topic, but before we dive into that, Abdul, I've got to hear your backstory because I always love hearing how people end up in this crazy industry, especially crypto acceptance. That's a, you know, That's a really a, yeah. unusual path, right? So tell us about your backstory a little bit. What's your path to to you know pay concept? So I think you know I, I have to I have to start with saying that I'm just so grateful, so grateful to be in this country, the country of opportunity. And with what I've said, now you know where I'm coming from because uh, I am a first generation immigrant. I moved to this country at age of twelve. Um, might not sound like it, but I grew up in Monroe, Louisiana. And my first experience in entrepreneurship was age of 16 when I got into business with my uncle to start jewelry stores. Um, that went on for many, many years. And by the time I turned, um, you know, when I turned 30, 35, I realized that uh, jewelry business is great, um, but it was time to look into something that was more future forward, would keep us relevant. And of course, that would be technology. Mm -hmm. While searching for different um, fields of where to go back, how to go back to school, what to learn, and how to restart my life. Remember, I already had a child by then. Uh, I had a wife who is uh, just a great support to me. Um, we were having a discussion, and I said, the biggest problem that I've had in my jewelry business is payment processing. They take a good chunk amount of my money. I will tell you, Patty and Jason, back in 19... Early 90s, I remember my statements. I still have them. I was paying about seven and a half percent of my fees wow. in fee, right? I was a young kid who started the jewelry business, was treated well by payment processes and the bank, and I just thought it was cost of doing business. And so looking back at to looking back at it, realizing uh, you know what, how much of that took toll on the merchants who were who were doing this day day in and day out. Um, I figured, you know, what else better? Something I've had a personal experience with. I've been on both sides of the of the counter. So I'm going to go in and start working for some ISO and figure out how this business works. So I went ahead and um, started this journey 10 years ago, went ahead and got a job at an ISO. Um, and about seven years ago, after working with the ISO and, you know, learning what I thought was not um, in line with my with my beliefs, um, seeing what is happening in the industry, um, I decided to go and uh, start my own ISO seven years ago. So yes, I am a ISO and, um, and it's been seven years in this business and, and no looking back. And 
we truly enjoy our clients. We are known as a boutique shop. Um, we deal with high volume clients and um, we just make sure that we help them facilitate uh, with their chargebacks. We help them with newer technology that is uh, that is available and help them in integration. So we cut all the complications out, make it very simple and do you know uh, turnkey solutions for them. And so talk about for a second. So are, is your ISO pay concept or is pay concept a different brand just for crypto acceptance? Like how does crypto acceptance fit into this narrative? So pay concept, James, pay concept is a, is a ISO itself uh, um, and crypto processing is a brand we are creating. We, and it's called DeFi to be. Um, that's the brand that we, we market for our uh, crypto processing. Um, and of course. Could you, really, could you repeat that? Uh, what you call your crypto processing line? DeFi to be. DeFi to be. Oh, interesting. Okay. I like it. UNB for businesses. Yeah, I like it. So, all right. So, so let's dive into crypto acceptance because I know you've been dealing with this for a while. Um, The first question I always like to ask when I talk to people about crypto acceptance is a very simple one. Should most business owners today be accepting crypto payments? Should they be, you know, enabling their customers to be able to pay with crypto? And if so, why? And maybe have a little more insight on that. You know, it, it all comes down to, it's a good question. Um, it all comes down to what a customer is going to bring to you. What are the opportunities that are out there, right? When debit card came out, you know, the legends in the industry tell me that how um, how very were the merchants in accepting debit cards, right? How difficult was it to ask somebody for a PIN number and how are we going to get our money? I think we are again in the same situation. And I think I'm very blessed to be in it when it's, in the starting phase of this mm-hmm. retail environment. Um, yes, they should be accepting crypto. Crypto, this is my belief. Crypto is a currency for future. It's a currency that unites or globalizes the world transactions. There is no friction in accepting crypto and there is no delay. Crypto transactions can be done in real time and a merchant can truly do high volume transactions because of what crypto provides as far as the security of the transaction, right? Um, So your question is, should they be looking into crypto? I believe they should be. And the other reason that we are so slow on accepting crypto is lack of education, right? Everybody is all worried about all bad things they hear about crypto. Uh, But again, even with credit cards, there are many, many bad things that happen like chargeback, uh, unlike crypto. Um, so yes, my answer to that question would be, yes, you should be looking into crypto. Crypto is the currency for future. Okay. And so, I, uh, yeah, go ahead. Just real quick. I wanted to ask, because you said you started out in the jewelry business. Jewelry business is a very high ticket type of business. Is that where you started off with your crypto um, offering? Is that is- Eddie, you are awesome. <laughs> I will tell you, we are running closed betas right now. Okay. Okay. And all our clients, I would say 99% of our clients are jewelers. We enjoy okay. the relationship. They enjoyed this relationship. And we'll talk about the advantages of it. But yes, you are correct. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Even think makes about a that. lot of sense. Sure. Yeah. So, okay. So, so we've established that businesses should be accepting crypto, which I agree. Now the question is, do they want to accept crypto? In other words, <clears throat> how big of a deal is crypto acceptance for businesses? So talk a little bit about you know, the traditional physical location business and the online merchant, are business owners starting to care about this? Are they starting to kind of like, oh, okay, maybe I should accept this. Or is it still like we're at the bottom of the hill about to start the climb? You know what I mean? Like, where are we at in this process of getting business owners to do what we know that they should do? So, you know, right off the bat, I don't want to go into too many numbers and digits. Uh, I don't think I'm an expert. I'm a learner every day. Crypto changes all the time. But we do know that 23% of the U.S. consumers have owned crypto at one time or another. Right. It's mm-hmm. so That's 23%. 28% of those are millennials who own crypto at one time or another in past year, right? Um, crypto provides a new market. Crypto provides access to virtual wealth. I call it a virtual wealth. I don't know if that's a no. word out there, but I tell I like all my clients, you know, virtual wealth, access to virtual wealth. People who have acquired this crypto wealth they don't have many choices of going out there and using this virtual wealth for a practical product. We're just starting to see it. And I will tell you, the customers that we have reached out, 
about 30% of them that we have convinced to give it a try and they have been slow at accepting crypto. And the other 70%, right, 70% are the ones who were searching for an easy to use solution because their clients were asking them, mm -hmm. hey, I want to buy this Rolex. You accept crypto? Mm -hmm. And they would go, dude, where have you been? I had a client I lost 60 grand just last week because <laughs> they wanted to spend crypto. So I right. think it's coming. Jewelers who are accepting it are accepting it because their clients have asked for it and it's just the right thing, a necessity for them to have it because this opens up a whole nother vertical of revenue for them. And it doesn't impact their traditional transactions from people who are already using credit cards to make their transaction. Right. And last but least, very important to know, people who spend, we have invested in crypto, People who spend crypto do not think in dollars. So when you tell when the crypto was at 69,000 in Bitcoin, when you told somebody it's 69,000, in that person's mind, it was one crypto, one slimy little crypto. Mm -hmm. I can get one crypto and buy a car, done deal. So these people think in crypto, not in dollars. They think in units. And so that is very advantageous for a retailer. Sure, sure. But let's look at the retailer, if you don't mind, um, and get a little bit of better idea of how this works. Um, let's say I'm a business owner and I want to accept crypto. You know, I'm selling Rolexes and people come in and want to do that. But I don't want to hold on to the crypto because of the volatility, right? I mean, that seems to be a big issue with merchants. Can you explain to the audience, um, you know, how how it works with a company of your like yours that, you know, how the... the um, diminishing of the of the uh risk you know how you work to, to to diminish that risk you know if you go on the side it will plainly tell you there is no risk we underwrite the risk there is no risk so now i know patty you're wondering how mm -hmm. so in our systems our goal has always been to make technology simple we wanted to create a crypto solution that would be as simple to use as credit card payment processing or simpler. I think we have done it where it is simpler. Our mobile application allows real-time transactions. Once, for instance, a merchant accepts crypto for a, for a product, they, they go ahead and uh, process the sale. It's through a QR code or a link that is right. set or a customer can scan that of a mobile POS system into their digital wallet, press send, confirm the amount and press send. The merchant instantaneously sees that this transaction is pending. We like to say that we approve transactions in 10 minutes. In some good days, depending on the hour of the day and the traffic on the exchange, we've been able to approve transaction within five to seven minutes. Once the transaction is approved, it is done. We take that crypto, bring it into their custodial wallet and transfer, or how should I say, we, 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 we exchange crypto convert. assets, convert crypto assets to US dollars within 10 minutes of the sale or guarantee or confirm the exchange within 70 within 10 minutes of the transaction and deposit funding into the merchant's account within 72 hours in US dollars so there is no hashtag to manage there is no wallet to manage there is no issue with fraud because we take care of all that and there is no risk of of the currency exchange or the crypto rates during that 10 minutes so it's 10 minutes from the point of Bringing up the transaction to the confirmation of good funds. Is that what you're That's saying? Right. In a busy and then, time. And then 72 hours for those funds to be transferred to the merchant's account. ACH into merchant's account. That's it's a ACH, of course. Yeah. That's really interesting. But if I could jump in here just to clarify sure. what you're saying, because I've seen several of these models before. So right. correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think what you're saying, Abdullah, is the reason you're taking this you know, um, five to 10 minute time period, I'm guessing you're, you're basically running both transactions kind of simultaneously. Is that what's happening here? Where the way you're, the way you're eliminating the risk is before you're fully running the, the, uh, transaction of, Hey, they want to spend, you know, $10,000 worth of crypto here. You're going ahead and also kind of selling that crypto and, and converting it into us dollars. All is that, are you bundling that onto one transaction or like, or is your yeah. company still absorbing some of the, the risk? two steps? Yeah, we exactly. are absorbing. We are absorbing some of the risk, but okay. understand 
understand that we have arrangements where we are we lock in our rates um, quite faster than ten minutes. Sure, um, if the market if the market truly fluctuated, you know, three four percent within the five minutes of the transaction, we are truly out of luck. Right. But also also do know that the that the customer has sees a timer on their mobile app for five uh, minutes and they have to complete the transaction within the five minutes but we do not take anything to the market till the till the submit button has pressed from there on we take it to the market lock in the rates and then we take the risk if there's a fluctuation of basis points here and there right we're never we will we will we will cover that and it's rare that you're going to see a huge fluctuation in 10 minutes right i mean yeah for us sure. it's five minutes right right uh, and it's just the confirmation to make sure that we have had the confirmation from the exchange sure but great lock-in is much faster than the confirmation hmm. what are you seeing in terms of um you know the, the the term we like to use in this business is share of wallet right um you know does does crypto have a chance of becoming you know more than sort of like a one-off transaction that it actually will become mainstream and um, com comprise you know a share of wallet and if so what kind of timeline are you looking would you say you know there are a couple of there are a couple of definitions in crypto for share of wallet right okay wallet with me my wife i have a i have the rights of the wallet but then i could also have my wife as a share of wallet custodial correct okay explain me when you ask me for share of wallet what exactly do you mean by that so out of out of a hundred dollars that um that a merchant will collect in revenue what percentage of that is crypto, right? And so like, in other words, share of wallet, what we're talking about is the consumer's wallet. So in other words, how much of what the consumer is going to spend is going to be made up of crypto versus credit card, cash, or other things. Right. And obviously right now that number is very small. So the question is, you know, do you see this becoming more mainstream where, you know, crypto becomes a major part of daily mainstream spending from a significant percentage of consumers? And what kind of timeline do you see that playing out over? Thank you for explaining my question, James. I'm sure. <laughs> Glad to jump in there, buddy. Wait, we, we think alike, you know. Yeah. Yes, you know, asking by the timeline is like looking into a glass ball, right? Uh, come away with glass have, in your mouth. <laughs> if we did not have this winter of 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 crypto, we know that we would have we would have quite easily, uh, you know, multiplied our our processing by ten times or more. Right, we were projected to do that. Now people are a little skittish. Um, consumers are moving their 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 investment into stable coins, um, but we still see a luxury good transactions done in crypto. To answer your question, is it going to become a mainstream? Look, simply to say, right? Um, I believe crypto will be more used in higher price products mm -hmm. than smaller priced products. Right. right? So because for the wallet, value. for the uh, for the Rolex, rather than for the cup of coffee, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, right? Right. Um, because money to to buy a cup of coffee, yes, maybe it will be one day, maybe ten years from now. But at the moment, the people who are spending crypto are the top wealthier top earners, sure. right? Top tier earners, and they're looking for products that justifies them to use their investment towards a product. So for instance, right before, luckily, you know, one of our jewelers um, did a transaction of close to about $200,000 um, right before crypto winter came in. And so we were having a chat and I said, well, you know, this was a nice transaction. We were just catching up with each other. And as he said, yes, the general guy came in, he wanted to diversify his investment. So he decided that he's going to take some of his Bitcoins and buy gold bullions or buy something with something to gold to store it in his hand because he just thought it would be nice to diversify his investment. So that gave that person a really nice uh, security because at that time crypto was at 60 bitcoin was at 60000 right uh -huh, uh -huh. now he was able to diversify his investment and put it into something that was more stable or more secure or something he can hold where else you know rest of the market for crypto as you know it's an investment and it's going to fluctuate right the last the last crypto winter lasted i believe 10 years uh -huh. um, so you know give or take 
I cannot tell you how long this winter is going to last. If you research, search it on Google, it's anywhere from 18 months to two and a half to three years. But I'm an optimistic guy. I believe this is the right time to learn about crypto, set up the systems for crypto and be ready when yeah. winter ends because there's always a spring sure. after every winter. Flower always bloom. Right. And I'm ready yeah. for the bloom. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting that you say that because it's like, yeah, this is virtual wealth. And although these people want virtual wealth, there's a little bit of, you know, insecurity in that, right? Like the example you gave. So, you know, I mean, if you diversified to gold, I mean, gold's been dropping too. So, you know, yeah, true, um, yeah. but it, it gives him something he can hold in his hand. I, I get yeah. what you're saying. So, Abdullah, you know, when we talk about crypto uh, and specifically crypto acceptance, I think most people kind of almost feel that's synonymous with Bitcoin. You know, that's just kind of the general public, right? So, obviously, that's not the case. And what I'm curious about is, and you alluded to it a minute ago, that a lot of people are moving towards the stable coin type, like maybe like Tether and things like that. Do you see, um, and maybe do you even facilitate this, but do you see that becoming more... Um, you know, being used more and seeing, uh, you know, more people actually paying for their Lamborghini with Tether, for instance, versus say Bitcoin, or how do you see that playing out? So, you know, it's, it's all psychological, right? Um, if I bought my Bitcoins, I, you know, I didn't to be just public. Suppose if you, James, bought your Bitcoin when it was only $20,000, right? Mm -hmm. And, or, or for that matter, I met somebody who said they bought their Bitcoins at $1,000 back in the day, right? I so bought mine at $95. No, Patty. Oh, that's a I whole sold it before it hit 60. <laughs> it's a whole other conversation. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know this either, Patty. This is like a whole yeah. new like, no. context here, right? Yeah. Anyway. That's right. So, you know, let's put it look. These these stable coins are backed up by commodity or or, or 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 currency, right? They're dollar to dollar. Yeah, we can do this now. Use credit card, get rewards, and then pay the credit card bill with with the dollar, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the point, what we have seen, that eighty five to ninety percent of the transactions that have happened on our platform or are happening for high end luxury goods have been Ethereum and Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's going to be the trend because people like to invest right now. The big deal is invest all you can in crypto. It's not my suggestion, but that's what the wire talks about. That's what we hear out there because crypto is going to, when crypto goes up, it's going to be a great investment to, 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 to have. Right. Um, I yeah. think with, with, with that said, people will still be spending more, um, more, Ethereum and Bitcoins, where they have invested money and gained uh, appreciation on their investment uh, to buy luxury product. When we talk about 10 years from down, when things get mainstream, there's very well possibility that people will use stable coins. And it also depends how easily accessible are these transactions, right? Is it a mainstream right. now? Does every jeweler has it? Does every industry has it? Does do the right. terminal have the facilitate, are able to facilitate? And of course that will move into mainstream and that's very well possibility that 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 traditional stable coins will be used because they're easy to use. They're, you can yeah. use it globally, right? right. Um, and of course, when I speak, there are so many uncertainties, but unfortunately, the crypto market is uncertain at the moment, and it's always been uncertain. So I couldn't tell you what yeah. exactly would be in future. Yeah, and I'll tell you sure. what, what, what's interesting to me is kind of a trend is that, you know, right now, um, a big part of crypto is kind of this concept of investment, right? It's like we're, we're buying this asset that we're going to maybe hold, maybe diversify, maybe we'll use it to buy luxury items because we made a lot of money on our investment. But it's like the underlying consumer psychology of it is it's an investment. Whereas just a theory on my side that I think is interesting is like, as it becomes more mainstream and the purpose for the consumer is to say, well, wait a minute, there are other benefits to this. As an example, as somebody who buys luxury items, um, it's not the easiest thing to actually spend $50,000 on something. Like, you know, I actually don't have a credit card that allows me to spend $50,000 on a single mm -hmm. transaction, especially when I'm traveling in another country. So there are actual like benefits now, right now, in my mind, you know, as a consumer, that's not as much into crypto investing, I would say, well, you know what, if, if these places I wanted to go to and, you know, uh, things I wanted to buy, if they, if I was 
fairly certain they were going to all accept crypto, right? And I'm about to go on a trip. Maybe I want to buy $200,000 in, in stable coin and have that loaded in my wallet so that I can easily spend it. But I don't really know enough about crypto that I want to be the investor, right? So I just want to be able to have this convenience of being able to spend crypto anywhere in the world instantly and be able to buy whatever I want. So I guess my, my thought is, I was just curious if you had seen the beginnings of a trend like that or what your kind of thoughts were on, you know, and again, I know obviously this is all a very uncertain conversation, but I was just kind of curious about, you know, kind of, I guess, more seeing the shift from crypto being primarily an investment where, you know, the wealthy are buying some luxury items because, hey, they had appreciation of their investment. Let's diversify or let's go buy something cool because we made a bunch of money versus kind of more mainstream where people who are, um, not as much into the investing side, but say, I'd, I kind of want to just use this to buy stuff. And for those people, are they going to turn more to the stable coin? Because like, they don't really want to be concerned about a 20% monthly fluctuation. You know what I mean? Like they just want to be able to use the convenience of crypto. Yes. To answer yes. We have started to see that. We have started to see this. And and it's funny, it's regardless of stable coin or, or a traditional crypto right now with fluctuation value, we still see transactions that are happening. Yeah, and the biggest right. reason for those transactions to happen is the merchant is ready to accept the transaction, do the transaction, and it is very convenient for a person with a digital wallet to do a transaction and be done with it, right? Yeah, um, sure. They can do transactions around the globe. You can send out an invoice with a with a QR code to somebody from here to London for a purchase. And once they finalize their crypto, there is no risk for merchant. And the the, the transaction is finalized rather than using wire bank wire transfers or credit card and and all that good good stuff. So yes, it is convenient. Cool. So yeah. I want to shift. I want to shift gears just a little bit here. Uh, I want to talk about ISO agent world for a minute. Um, and so. You know, we have this conversation. I've had several of them. I think our community, our our audience is kind of like, yeah, we agree. This is going to be mainstream at some point. There's exciting things happening. But I think ISOs in general and agents especially are very lost in terms of what they should do about this. So my first question along these lines is, you know, what are the long-term economics here? I mean, kind of the whole promise of crypto is that we're going to eliminate the cost of, you know, transferring money. So what does that mean for ISOs and agents? Do you see the long-term being that there is still going to be this kind of inherent value in eliminating the, you know, eliminating the risk for the merchant and you're going to be able to accept fees on, on the transactions or kind of what are your thoughts on how the economics plays out for the ISO and agent and how do they make money? So James, there's always a fee, right? I mean, we charge 1.99% of transaction fee, right? Okay. Uh, we are very much in line or, or in line with the, with the market that is out there, right? So there is a opportunity for ISOs and the uh, and the agents to make a residual revenue on it, right? Uh, the goal is to to educate yourself of what's happening, find a partner who is willing to help you grow in this industry and provide a solution that is available. Look, you know, um, AT and T. So let let's put two scenarios here quickly, right? AT and T has been accepting crypto for over two years, but they have not done more than $150,000 in transaction. Why? Because the tickets are small. I don't know what AT&T is using, accepting crypto for. But we know on the record that there are jewelers right now in, in California and in Miami. So let's, in Vegas and in Miami that are that we're doing about $300,000 per week in crypto transactions. I mean, when was the last time a agent could say, I just made 75 to uh, 100 bibs on a transaction, right? right? I mean, this is this is silly. The point is, it is very much doable because what crypto offers to a merchant is priceless. There is no risk of chargebacks. There are no chargebacks. So when you do that transaction of $280,000 or $100,000, once the transaction is finalized, a customer cannot go back to its crypto wallet and say, I want a chargeback because I'm not happy with this product. Right. It's that deal. They have to reach out to the store owner and say, this is, they have to resolve this issue within them. So just accepting crypto and just providing crypto service is a, has just one of these benefits is priceless beside the fact that it opens up the whole new vertical of revenue for merchants, right? People are looking for merchants that are accepting crypto. So again, if our merchants do well, 
our agents do well. When our agents do well, our ISOs are doing well. This is how the food chain works here. We all work to benefit our merchant. The more security we can we can we can we can provide to our merchants, it's better off for the whole downstream of food chain. So 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 okay. So how do you see this playing out then? Do you see a lot of other ISOs? I mean, because you know, James and I have spoken to a few. Uh, ISOs that are doing this, it doesn't seem to be mainstream at this point. Um, you know, what do you think the uh, impact is going to be on agents and ISOs? Are they going to jump in? You know, they're still the very, they're still very um, doubtful of it, mm -hmm. and it's not their fault. Um, crypto is complicated. Mm -hmm. Crypto is volatile in the market, and with the crypto winter being, it gave us a benefit that. Many people have given up on this project and we have a great time to test it mm -hmm. and, yeah. and and use it and provide the clients who are using it to see how it works, right? I mean, my God, we've been working at it for a while and we're still improving our systems. Um, so I think it's a great benefit for it to be in a winter right now. It's a great time to learn, make choices, make yeah. right decisions and be ready. At the end of it all, it's education, right? You can go on Google, you can learn all about crypto. There are different, you know, different institutions that teach about crypto, or you can just keep up with the crypto crypto news every day. Sure. Um, Sometimes it is hard on your heart to see what's happening. Uh, but of course, uh, it's the future of the currency. And, and the first one in is going to be the, you know, going to be the winner, I guess. So, so what you're saying basically is that this, crypto winter or crypto bear market or whatever we want to call it is really an opportunity for ISOs and agents to, to get a better grip on this market so that when things do start to change, they'll be able to bring something to their merchants. Is that what you're saying? I always believe in that. I always believe bear market bring opportunity. And mm -hmm. I think it's a blessing for us that it gave us a restart um, button for us to uh, get started and, and revisit systems we have created and improve the systems uh, that we need to because it yeah. is a bear market. That's, you know, that's really excellent advice. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting to me, Abdullah, you know, one thing that is, I feel like if there's one word right now that I would say defines the change that ISOs and agents need to make, it would be verticalization. Mm. It, it impacts every, every conversation we have on the podcast. At some point I, I say something like, agents need to focus on verticals. And I think right. this is no exception to that, right? It's like, well, yeah, you probably aren't going to jump on the crypto acceptance if you're trying to sell every merchant out there because really most merchants right now, the vast majority, I mean, they're not super interested. I mean, they might want to know something about it, but it's really not even profitable right now to go sell crypto to pizza shops or hair salons. Right. But there's a humongous opportunity for the agent that's listening that says, well, wait a minute, I'm going to spend the next 10 years of my life dedicated to selling payment processing services to jewelers, as you've mentioned, to, you know, high-end luxury items, what, you know, yachts, I mean, whatever it is, right? Like, like there's, you know, I talked to a guy, um, you would enjoy talking to actually, I talked to a guy probably six months ago and like his entire business is predicated on providing crypto acceptance to yacht dealers. Like that's all he does. Wow. <clears throat> and nice, every nice time somebody sells a yacht, you know, he makes like, you know, 30 grand, you know what I mean? Like, because he's got this, you know, fee and it's like every yacht is like, you know, $20 million, $50 million, $8 million. And like, that's, that's what he does. And so it's like, it's so funny to me, Abdullah, because like when I get into the business about the same time you did, I got it about 12 years ago. You, you could actually say when someone said, what do you do? You could say, I sell payment processing. And that meant something that meant you went out to mainstream America and you sold, put these terminals into a business. Like that's what that meant doesn't mean that anymore. When you say I sell payment processing, that's like saying I sell food. Right. Do you, what do you mean? You have a restaurant? Do you, do you sell Mexican food? Is it fine dining? Do you sell pizza? Like, what do you mean? You know, like now somebody says I sell payment processing. It's like, okay, tell me more. Do you sell crypto acceptance to jewelers? You sell point of sale systems to hair salons? What do you mean? Right. And so there's so much variation. And I think it just goes to show that you got to, you got to zero in. There's like so many opportunities. And I think the key is you got to pick the two or three that are right for you. And then you go all in and really become the expert, uh, which I think is awesome. So last question, kind of two questions and one for you, Abdullah. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, I'm assuming that you are looking for partnerships with ISOs and agents. 
talk about that a little bit and then tell them about where they could go to learn more about, um, you know, inquiring about working with you. So James, to, to be very transparent, we've been testing this out in a closed close beta. Uh, we have a, uh, we have a technology to, to bring in referral partners or agents uh, to share in the, in the fruits that are sowed. Right. Um, at the moment, um, we are revamping our uh, revamping our portal uh, due to some compliance stuff. Um, but yes, they can they can visit at they can visit wwwdefi to b d e f i number two b dot com defi to bcom They can fill out the form and we can connect with them, or they can directly reach me at uh, taru a at defi to bcom um, and we would love to have a conversation, one-on-one -on -one conversation with them, have them lined up when we are ready to re relaunch the relaunch the uh, reseller platform. Uh, that way we know we are, you know, sure. they will be open first in the opportunity. And just to clarify for people who are listening and not watching, that's T-H-A-R-O-O-A at. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Got it. So to B.com. Abdul, this has been such an interesting conversation. I always love talking about it. It's like in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about the 17 other questions I have. And the other things I know, I'm right? About. So am I. <laughs> like, okay, I got to know B to B. But anyway, we have to, you know, so, but this has been great. I'm sure we'll have you back on. Really looking forward to staying connected with you and seeing how this develops as you move forward. And so thank you so much for taking your time to share insights with our audience today. I really appreciate it. James, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you very much. And Patty, wonderful again to connect with both of you guys. It's, 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 it's a pleasure. It is exactly what I've been listening to all this time on James' podcast. So glad to be here. Uh, glad you're here. This episode of the Merchant Sales Podcast is brought to you by NMI.com. NMI is really an incredible technology provider. I actually just did a Merchant Sales Insight a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about what NMI can do for you if you're an ISO looking to build out technology partnerships. This is going to be a key differentiator, a key competitive advantage moving forward is your ability as an agent or an ISO to be able to partner with software companies while still providing the payment processing services in many cases. And when that's what you're looking for, the company you want to work with is NMI. They have so many different resources including a fantastic API that's going to allow the software company to build integrations themselves and enable omni-channel solutions and all kinds of really cool things on the integration side. So if you're not familiar with them, if you don't have a relationship with NMI, you really need to have one. Maybe you already have a relationship, meaning you can sell NMI, but maybe all you've sold is the virtual terminal, or maybe all you've sold is the e-commerce integrations, right? For uh, As a gateway for shopping carts, but you know, you've never actually done more of an advanced deal with them let me encourage you to reach out to nmi.com. Tell them that you want to learn more about what they have to offer. You want to learn more about how they can help you integrate with software companies. Have some conversations, get to know them better. I've been talking about it a lot lately, but I just really believe that right now there are just certain companies in the industry that you really want to know people at that company because of what they can offer you as the industry continues to shift um, and change over time. NMI.com being right at the top of that list. So head over to NMI.com, reach out, let them know you heard about them on the Merchant Sales Podcast. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. I don't know about you, but I definitely enjoyed the interview that we just had with Abdullah. I learned a lot about crypto and about the solution that they are providing. In this segment of the podcast, I want to talk to you about the direction that I see the market going as it relates to all of these different um, you know, alternate forms of payment. Now, when we say alternate forms of payment here, let me be clear. I'm talking about alternate forms of payment relative to card acceptance, okay? Now, we see cash would be an alternate form of payment, ironically, at this point. But um, I'm not going to talk about that here. It's not a digital form of payment. It's something that, you know, 
can't be digitized, right? And so I'm not sure we're going to see too many innovations on the cash side of things. However, what I want to talk to you about is forms of payment like P2P. So we're talking about Venmo and Zelle. I want to talk about crypto, which we just talked about crypto acceptance. Um, I even want to talk about ACH, which is going to become much more popular with Fed now and kind of the ability to do instant uh, funding and, and things of that nature. You know, the trend that I find so interesting about these alternate forms of payment right now is that you have these two big things that are important to me. You have the trend of reducing the cost of payment acceptance. Then you have this other trend of integration, tightly integrated systems. And these two things currently are a bit at odds. And let me explain what I mean by that. So let's take Venmo as a really good example. Let's start with Venmo. So accepting Venmo is becoming very, very popular. Okay. Um, and many small merchants are accepting Venmo payments. Uh, as an example, a young man that I know pretty well just started a business doing um, detailing. So he details cars and comes to your house and you know details. And so um, I had him come and detail my Ford Expedition uh, recently. And I said, you know, how do I pay you? And he's like, well, do you have Venmo? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so he, you know, I paid him through Venmo. So again, small, right? He's a small, uh, small time operator, very small time operator, just individual. Um, but he found Venmo to be the payment option of choice. And I talked to him a little bit about that and a little bit about how we need to have recurring payments set up, right? He needs to change his business to recurring where I can pay X amount per month. And I just know my, my uh, vehicle is always going to be detailed, you know? Um, and so there's a lot of additional functionality that needs to be done there. But, but Venmo, if we look at that, we see, you know, well, why is he using Venmo? Well, there's two reasons he's using Venmo. Number one is how easy it is to set it up, right? He can set up, you know, Venmo acceptance by downloading an app on his iPhone. That's all he has to do. And I think it, you know, it really flies in the face of kind of a lot of the foundational things around payment processing that we've kind of that, you know, become accustomed to. And that is things like security. You know, um, there was no underwriting process for him to get set up to accept Venmo. It's like, it's, he's a person and he's going to accept Venmo from another person. And so it's this P2P, but what we're seeing is more and more that P2P is actually becoming, you know, B2P. And so actually it's a, a business um, that's accepting these payments, but they're accepting it as a person because it's so, so simple and easy to set up. Um, you're instantaneously set up, you know, there's really nothing to it. Um, but also because of the cost, which is basically, you know, nothing, right? So there's very little cost there. Now, I think what we're going to see though, uh, there was a recent thing, I think uh, Patty actually talked about in a recent episode about um, Zelle and a lot of the fraud and things that, that we're seeing with Zelle. Um, I do think that market is going to develop to a point where it's going to say, well, wait a second, we got to be able to make sure there's no fraud. Well, how are we going to do that? And so obviously AI and a lot of these other things are, are going to come into play, but I think we're going to see these P2P companies starting to behave a lot more like a payfac, where they do have much more advanced fraud detection, uh, maybe even a little bit more front-end kind of underwriting, automated underwriting process behind the scenes. And so I think the days of like this, this, this promise of free payments, um, that promise has not really been fulfilled, whether it's in crypto, which we'll talk about in a minute, or these P2B, P2P companies, um, these solutions, because even though right now some of these solutions, well, it is free to send money through Zelle or, or P2P, yes, but um, how much longer will it be free? How much longer are these companies going to say, sure, we'll take all the fraud, we'll take all these, you know, uh, manage all this and, and deal with that. And so right now the idea is, well, you know, they're, they don't do anything about fraud, right? So if, if you get ripped off through Venmo and somebody, you pay somebody through Venmo and then they don't do what you want as, as an example, I mean, a really good example here, you know, in this case, I paid uh, this, this uh, young man to detail my vehicle. Well, what if I would have paid him and then he would have left and never come back and didn't detail my vehicle? What would I have done? I mean, there's no chargeback, right? So, I mean, I guess I could file a complaint. I don't even know what that would look like with Venmo. I really don't even know how I would do that, right? But in the reports that were filed, the idea is, generally speaking, Venmo and Zelle are kind of saying, hey, that's not our problem. That's that's the problem of the user. We don't have anything to do with that. You know, that was your that was your fault for giving them the money. It's like you're giving them cash. And I don't think that's going to stand for very long. I think we're going to see changes um, in, in that way. Um, now, in, in, you know, when you look at crypto, we have really very similar concerns, right? Um, you look at, at crypto, it's very similar. 
Um, I can download a crypto wallet and I can buy and sell crypto very quickly, probably within 10 minutes, I could be set up to do that. However, when I pay somebody in crypto, the whole idea is that it's anonymous, right? And it's a fully secure, anonymous transaction um, that is quote unquote free. Well, again, not really free because generally speaking, the exchanges are charging me money in order to be able to buy and sell it in the first place. But even if it were free and we remove that cost, what about security? You know, um, there's going to be a lot of complaints from people that are going to get scammed and they're going to spend, they're going to give somebody 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 in crypto, and they're not going to get what they were promised. And they're going to be really upset that they have no uh, recourse whatsoever. And so I think what we're going to see is as these forms of payment continue to develop crypto and P2P, especially we're going to see kind of a, uh, you know, the general pot, you know, the general population start to adopt these in a much bigger way to where there's going to be more hearings in Congress and, and things where it's going to say, wait a second, are we really going to allow these things to be totally unregulated to the point that people are getting scammed and ripped off and they have no recourse. Um, and so that's going to put a lot of pressure on the crypto community to have some type of tracking mechanism, some way to say, wait a minute, that was a fraudulent transaction and be able to go back and look at that. Um, same thing with P2P, although they know who the person is, they're going to have to have some better ways of identifying fraud and being able to handle the liability that results from it. So that's one piece of it is this kind of zero cost of payment. What that means is because it's a zero cost, technically, um, what that means is nobody wants to take the liability for any fraud or scams or losses of that, of that kind. And I don't think that's going to continue forever. Now, the second thing, and this is where ACH comes into play, is this idea of integration. Um, you know, merchants are not crazy about this idea of, oh yeah, we'll accept a Venmo on our phone. Well, what, what about when I leave the business? Do I, do I need my employees to be able to accept the Venmo payments? Do they log into the company, my, my personal Venmo account, I guess. And you know, it, it's starting to get very confusing about that. And then it's like, well, how do I get that into QuickBooks then? Right. You know, the entire market is moving towards further integration. So we're all moving towards this idea of, we want to integrate everything together. You know, my business, we spent some time recently, uh, about a week, one of our junior developers built a custom integration. So we use a, a QuickBooks, um, you know, whatever the highest level of QuickBooks online is to track our business accounting and finances. Well, we have a lot of employees. We have a lot of revenue. We have a lot of different kinds of revenue and, you know, different customers paying us subscriptions for different services and all that. And so we spent about a week building a custom QuickBooks integration so that as people paid us in our custom built system, that that would translate over into QuickBooks quickly and, and you know, easily. Um, and so that's what we had to do, right? And so, you know, that's what businesses want. They want everything integrated together. So this idea of all these different forms of payment that are not, you know, layered in is going to be a problem. What I think we're going to see in the market is we're going to see more and more companies coming out with solutions. I've, I've seen the ones that are out there. They're still a little bit clunky. We're going to see more and more technology solutions that are going to bring these things together for a price. So as you get out in the field, you're going to be able to sell merchants on, hey, we can do Venmo acceptance. We can do Zelle acceptance. You could accept um, ACH. You could accept money through a Plaid integration, You know, whatever the case might be, cryptocurrency, all of that. Um, but we're going to charge you X percent in order to facilitate this integration and make it all work seamlessly for you. So we're getting there. You know, a lot of these solutions are still relatively new. So the APIs and stuff aren't built out in a way that's going to facilitate a lot of innovation, but that's going to change very quickly. And I really believe that 24 months from now, 36 months from now, I'm going to be talking to you about companies that you can work with that are going to enable you to go out there and offer a terminal that can take any of these forms of payment or are going to be able to offer you a, a point of sale system that accepts any of these forms of payment or an integration where you can do something with the point of sale to be able to accept all these different forms of payment and where you can actually make some money off of those forms of payment. So you might charge 1% um, on Zelle or Venmo transactions. So your pitch to the merchant would be, look, you're not going to pay three, 4%, whatever it is for you know Zelle and Venmo. So it's a lot cheaper than a card transaction well, we are actually going to charge you 1% because we got to put it all together. So sure, you can do it for free if you want to run it off your phone. That's really annoying because now you have to like, how do you do that, right? Wouldn't it be better to just pass an extra 1% onto the customer that wants to pay with Venmo or pay with Zelle and then no cost for you, Mr. Merchant, but 
we're still collecting 1% to facilitate all of this. So I think that's the direction that we're going to see in the market. Um, and I think ACH is going to end up being something very similar to that, where it's fully integrated as an option that can be utilized. I think ACH is still going to be much more prevalent with card not present. Um, and I also believe that we're going to see a lot of things related to making it much easier to pay with ACH. Let me give you an example of how this could work. Um, there, and this may already exist. I don't know. I'm not aware of it, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody comes up with an ACH QR code type of system where um, you load your, your ACH information as some kind of a QR code where you can, you know, it changes regularly or in some way you can, you know, securely share your ACH information with a payment system. So rather than having to type in your uh, bank account number and routing number, somebody says, how would you like to pay? And it's like, well, I'd like to pay the ACH. Okay, great. Just scan your QR code right here and we'll do it as an ACH payment. So I think we're going to see things like that because now with FedNow, uh, where it's going to be instant, that's going to become really attractive as well. And again, why is it going to be attractive? Because it's a lower cost of acceptance than cards, right? So if it can be as convenient, if it can be as integrated as card payments would be, if it's going to automatically load into QuickBooks and it's going to automatically update in their POS system, then I think we're going to see a lot of these hurdles going down. So as you see the next 24 to 36 months playing out in the industry, I think where you're going to see a lot of innovation is going to be the idea of P2P solutions that are going to say, well, we are going to charge a little bit, but we're going to make sure you're protected and your payment is secure. And I think consumers are going to be willing to pay something for that and or they're going to set it up to where the merchant is paying the cost and merchants are going to say, okay, that makes sense. And so I think we're going to see a shift in that direction. And then I also think at the same time, you're going to see a lot of innovation around technology that pulls all of these different forms of payment together and makes it really easy and convenient and seamless uh, for businesses to accept many different forms of payment, not just Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and Amex and Pendebit, but all these other things, but accept them in a really, really seamless and easy way. So that's the trend that I see happening. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Make sure you uh, make a comment on Facebook or, Facebook or LinkedIn to our post let us know your thoughts. So my name is James Shepard. Thank you so much for taking time to join us for the Merchant Sales Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.